Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 to 3. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of, cloud of witnesses, sorry, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'll just pray, and then uh, Guy will come up. Father God, thank you for Guy Miller. Thank you for the message you've put on his heart today, and, uh, and this word that you've um, proclaimed to us, and so I do pray that now he, you would be speaking through him, and you would bless the rest of our service here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Tyson. Always reads so well. Um, uh, I had a sort of like a prophetic encouragement from Craig this week that I would be a little bit like Lucy in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, in terms of coming and telling you of a wonderful, wonderful another world that uh, you are to enter into. And in case you haven't seen the, the television dramas or the, or the film, here's a little clip just to get you switched on immediately, I hope. Peter, Peter, wake up! Peter, wake up! It's there! It's really there! Lucy, what are you talking about? Like I told you. Oh, you've just been dreaming, Lucy. But I haven't. I saw Mr. Thomas again, and this time Edmund went too. You. You saw the fawn? Well, he didn't actually go there with me. He. What were you doing, Edmund? I was just playing along. I'm sorry, Peter. I shouldn't have encouraged her, but you know what little children are like these days? They just don't know when to stop pretending. <laughs> Ow! They don't know when to stop pretending. I'm. I, I really am trying to encourage you at the beginning of this new year, happy new year to you. As Christians, as a church, there is a wonderful God-given world for us to enter into, a kingdom that we are to be part of. Sadly, for many of us, we are often like Edmund. When you hear a message like this morning, we, we, we might think, well, it's all very fanciful. It's all, all very much pretense. And we're really about living in the real world. 
And so I'm encouraging you this morning, I'm praying this morning will be a, a, a message for you that will help you to this year do something you've never done before in God. Now this is called a Commission Vision Sunday and, and immediately I know I could lose the whole room. So let me just back up a little bit and try and help every one of you. I want you to think of yourself, if you are a Christian, as a leaf on a tree. A leaf with buds around that will bear fruit, the fruit for which God put you on planet Earth to do. You will know that if you were to take a tree off, a leaf off a tree, although that leaf might look good and might change color and look pretty, that, that leaf will die very quickly. There is no life in it because in order for photosynthesis, in order for life and fruitfulness to come, that leaf has to be connected to a twig, which is connected to a branch, which is connected to a trunk, which is connected to roots that all sustain and flourish. Your life and my life. We need to be connected. So you are a leaf. This church is a twig. Westminster Chapel is nothing more than a twig uh, connected to something bigger. And out of that twig, and it's vital that you're connected to a local church, you will be able to fulfill your God-given commission on planet Earth. You need, every Christian needs to be livingly connected to a local church. You die without being connected to a local church. Please don't spend your life church hopping. Get rooted in to a local church. But every local church, left to itself, branches, little twigs can be easily snapped off. Sadly, in the world today, there are many independent churches, almost proud of their independence, not realizing that God's intention from the beginning was always that we are rooted into something bigger and greater than ourselves. A local church doesn't exist for itself. It needs to receive Ephesians 4 ministries to remind it that there is a big world out there that needs Jesus Christ. Local churches can be an expression of Jesus to their community, but they always need to be using and raising and sending their people into the mission field. Sometimes that's just our neighborhood, our town. Sometimes that's London. Sometimes that's the far end of the world. Westminster Chapel is a twig connected to a branch, and that branch is, is, is called Commission. Commission itself is a small branch of a bigger branch, which is called New Frontiers. New Frontiers is, is 2,000, 3,000 churches all over the world today. It's like a denomination, if you will, if you've never heard of New Frontiers. It's like a denomination, except we don't have rules. We're connected livingly and relationally. But that branch is also then connected to the trunk. We're connected to a worldwide church. Two, three billion people across the world today love Jesus Christ and we're not saying one branch over another branch is better. We're thanking God there are many branches of God's church all across this world. And we are just one of those. But we are on earth. You, connected to Westminster Chapel, connected to Commission, connected to New Frontiers, connected to the... You are on planet earth, every individual leaf, to display his glory and to bear fruit for his name. And that is what this message this morning, I hope, will be all about. I'm looking at the next 10 years this morning and saying, what can God do with chapel in the next 10 years? With your life, my life, 
What can God do in commission in the next 10 years? Can we believe? Can we be like Lucy? Can I be like Lucy this morning saying, hey, it's incredible, it's wonderful. Come, come into the adventure and please don't be Edmund at the end of this meeting, end of this sermon. Commission, vision, I've called this a threefold mission. And I'd like you to have your Bibles open because... I think Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, gives a wonderful um, encouragement from the writer there for us today as we work out our faith. It comes as you, if you know your Bible and you've been a Christian for a while, it comes after Hebrews 11, which uh, is like the great narrative, the great chapter on what faith is and what faith looks like. And... uh, Hebrews 12 has three let us's. Not lettuces, let us. And uh, we're going to look at each of those in turn and say, okay, if God has got a big plan for your life, my life, us together, and notice it's let us right at the beginning. It's not let you, let me. Individualism is killing our society, it's killing the church. It's all about me. It's about my life, my ministry. No, we're all meant to be saved out of individualism into a family, into the body. And three letters is that will help us to understand something of our vision and something of what we need to do personally this morning as we engage with this message. The first thing is, the writer says, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Everything that Hebrews 11 talks about, let us... Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. For sake of time, Hebrews 11 is like a a guided tour through an art gallery of incredible men and women of faith in the Old Testament. And so the the attendants taking us to a huge oil painting of Abraham leaving Ur with his cart and his bags and you can see a smile on Abraham's face but behind him is everything he's ever loved. It's his home, his family, it's his possessions. He, he, he said goodbye to all that and he's setting out on a journey he does not know where and the, and, and the frame going not knowing that is the title of this masterpiece of the life of Abraham. The, the writer of Hebrews then takes us to this other beautiful, beautiful oil painting. It's, it's on the top of a mountain, and, and, and there's Moses on the top of the mountain, and there's sort of like this, this glorious cloud above him, and his face is shining, his hair is white as wool, and he's looking upwards like this. And it's called, Show Me Your Glory. But there's another, there's many oil paintings, I and mean, we're just picking a few. How about this one? This one, this one is outnumbered by your enemies. And oh, it's David, a young boy, ruddy in complexion, with a little sling and a few stones in his hands. And behind him is a massive, massive giant. And, and the armies, a dark armies, a horrible darkness, and there's oppression in this oil painting. And you feel the, the, the stupidity, the frailty of this young shepherd boy as he's starting to work, turn his face towards this giant. The writer says, we're surrounded, you and I this day, we're surrounded by such great, wonderful feats of faith. 
But he then says, for us to engage in our feet of faith, let us throw off everything that hinders. The sin that so easily entangles. He says, we've got a marathon. You, I, we've, we've got to run a marathon. And we've got, we've got to run it and, it, and it's a race that's going to take the rest of our life, but God is going to get us safely to the end. But for us to run that race, we need to throw off. Throw off things. Throw off sins. I don't know if you've ever seen the triathlon. You, if, you, if you've ever seen a triathlon, you'll know that you, you, you go from swimming you, you, and, and as you're running up, you're taking off your wetsuit and you're getting onto the bike and you're, they're kicking off things and they're not holding on to the wetsuit. That's part of something that happened before. They're, they're throwing it off because they want to win the race. When they come to the running, they don't keep on the bike. I, I always think, I keep on the bike. Seeing them sort of like kicking off and getting onto, I oh, know, I just keep on the bike, go whizzing past all those runners. No, you can't do that. You've got, to, you've got to throw it off. You've got to cast it aside. Sometimes they cast these expensive bikes, you know, throw it off. Casting it aside. I've preached here many years ago, and I've gone out, and I was on marathon day. And I, it's like four in the afternoon, five in the afternoon. I'm, I'm just walking past um, Buckingham Palace, and the Dalek or the Wookiee is coming in. You know, they don't win marathons, Daleks. You don't see a Wookiee, first one past. Why, why, why not? Or gorilla suits. Why? Because, because that you can't run a marathon. You can't run a race with all that paraphernalia. You need to get rid of it to run a race. There are two things that the writer, I believe, has in mind for us, for our race in 2020 to 2030. Firstly, obviously, sin. We are living as believers in a world full of sin, full of temptation, full of things that can catch us up. I don't know if you ever noticed how he, he writes there the, the sin that so easily entangles. That invisible, like, like if you change the film to Lord of the Rings and Shelob's lair and, and, and you've got Frodo going into the lair and he, these invisible little things and, and suddenly you're caught, suddenly you're entangled, suddenly you're, you're caught and weaved up into a ball. How many Christians have I seen in my life that just this little thing, just this tiny little bit of gambling this little flutter, just this little experimentation with alcohol, this, this little smoke of weed, this, this little look at a page three woman, just a, just a little look, just a little glance, just a little bit of criticism, just a little bit of greed and, 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 and wanting a little bit more. And, and slowly, slowly I've seen a spiritual hunger, a desire, a person who wants to go after God suddenly caught up and they're hopping into church Sunday by Sunday and they're, they're, they're hearing the message and they're, and they're wanting to go forward but they are entangled, entangled by the things of this world. They once wanted to go full time and they're entangled by this world. The other thing that hinders us from running our race is the past. You know, if you keep your bike in the triathlon, you're disqualified, unfortunately, when it comes to the race. 
you can get disqualified in the Christian race. You can hold on to things, the past, that just to disqualify you from enjoying the race that God has set for you. You know, we have an incredible history in this church. And we thank God for our history. We thank God for every man and woman who's been part of it, every leader that started from Samuel Martin through to other great people who've been and spoken in this place. But they're not our future. If they could speak to us today, they would whisper this, run your race. Run your race. Don't run our race. Run your race. Don't let the past, don't let a tradition of the way you break bread or sit on pews or, or worship God or, or preach the gospel or share the gospel on the streets, don't let what is of the past hinder you from embracing what God has for us in the future. Societies and cultures change and we need a church which is embracing the changes around us and embracing the lost around us. I think it's great hearing Phil and Andy. I just thank God that we're, we're thinking, how do we help people love our world today and introduce them to Jesus Christ? In 2015, I felt God spoke to me through Isaiah 54 about the barren woman, sing, O barren woman, and to enlarge and to spread and to believe God for a doubling in terms of our numbers. Out of that, we formed a group that formulated a strategy or a vision statement. We want to see thousands of lives transformed through hundreds of churches being planted in tens of nations. That was our, our vision. We articulated that in 2015, and at the time we had about 80 churches in this little branch in about four different nations. Since 2015, we now have 170 churches. We have recorded, in terms of lives transformed, since 2015, 1,500 people who have been born again and baptized. We've seen the number of nations God is opening up for us grow from that four, where we're now currently engaged in ten nations UK, Portugal, Spain, India, Nepal, Serbia, Bhutan, the Philippines, uh, US, Ghana, and already people in Myanmar, Bangladesh, and Brazil wanting some fellowship with us. So let me first come to this first point. Beginning of a new year, are you ready to throw off some things? What I had a picture of, it's almost like a prophecy and I pray it will help us in the ministry time we'll come to in a short while. I, I felt there were many Christians who had bungee cords attached to their back in this place this morning. You've seen those sort of funny things they do at fairs or uh, West Points where you are attached and you have this strong piece of elastic at your back and you run and you look like you're making great progress and suddenly, whoa, you go back again. I believe there are a lot, not one, not two, a lot of people in this church this morning who have heard God at some point in their life and they have run after God and every year, whoa, they go back again and then there's a new year again and oh yeah, I know God wants me to be a church planter, I know God wants me to speak up for the gospel, I know God wants me to shine as a light, I know God wants me to start this ministry and oh, I'm, I'm going to do it, no, and then you're going back again. I believe discouragement is a bungee cord that pulls many people back. 
I think the things of this world, people's opinion, the, the, the slower day that, 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 that God we bow down to, one day when the day gets slower, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be all in for him. Whoa, I'm going back again. And I believe this is a year of freedom. A year where God says, no, enough. You want to follow me? It costs everything. You want to be a church planning movement? It costs everything. I'm setting you free from trying to please yourself and please men and please your parents and please everybody else. I'm calling you to please me. So it's decisive. Let us throw off a cutting away in order to embrace what God has for us. And I believe for some of you there is the past as well that you just need to deal with. In this church, I believe God's greater day is ahead of us. I really believe it. We're not going to be defined or limited by our past. I, had a, I was in a church preaching a few weeks ago. In, 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 I won't tell you where it is, but another part of the country. And the, the leader there said, we have seen more people saved this year than the last five years. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, and so will commission, and so will chapel. We're going to see more people saved now this year than we have in the last five years. I'm believing and praying for that. I believe God wants to see lots of people saved. So the second let us is let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here, he's encouraging us to think of a running track, Olympics, Olympia, in the, in the sand, uh, little tiny uh, twigs or little burrows of sand or chalk marked out the lane which you had to keep within in order to run your race and not be disqualified. Your eyes had to be fixed, not on your competitors, how big, how strong. And by the way, they ran naked in the first Olympics. It, was not, it wasn't about looking at them. It was about looking at the finishing line and setting your eyes towards that goal. Hebrews 11 gives us a definition of what faith actually looks like. Faith is, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. You need to understand this. The Bible is incredibly practical. We're not to go out this morning and say, have you got faith? What exactly is faith? Well, it's a certain hope, what I'm hoping for, what I can't quite... Well, what do you mean by that? Is that sort of a philosophical discussion about have you got faith? Have you not got faith? How much faith have you got? Are you there here? No. Hebrews 11 says, this is what faith looks like. And there's a whole description of various things it looks like. It looks like getting pregnant. Does that your faith moment this year becoming with child or having a family or starting a family is it getting married that's what faith looks like faith looks like plodding faith looks like administering justice in an ungodly nation faith looks like suffering faith looks like the great escape faith looks like hospitality faith looks like the lion king Daniel in the den of a lion and being king of the lions what does faith look like for you this year? Winning a neighbor, sharing your faith, praying for a sick person, 
standing up in your office for righteousness and telling the truth, being set free from an addiction that has ruined and robbed you of joy and life, knowing, knowing grace to keep on plodding. This church is a church which applauds every Christian that keeps plodding. I applaud the strugglers. I know how hard it is sometimes for many of you to get up in the morning dealing with anxiety or depression. I just applaud you for being here. That's what faith looks like. It's not all about the razzmatazz and the glory and the wonderful bells and moments of breakthrough. It's about keep on keeping on. It's a life which trusts God. It's a life which believes God. It's a life which believes God in the hard times and the good times. So what am I looking for in the next 10 years? Now, the problem is, with all of us, this is the problem. The problem is, with all of us, is we often can't see the wood for the trees. The lower we get here, the harder it is to look over now, preachers have the privilege, we can stand here and we see a little bit higher. We can stand here and, oh, I can see the back row now, and that's great. And I can encourage the back row to engage in what I'm saying. But imagine I'm trying to look beyond the back row. Imagine I'm trying to get up and see right, right beyond this church into London. Right beyond London into the world. What, what am I seeing? What am I encouraging us to look for on the furthest horizons? What am I looking for? I believe we should be looking for 30 to 50,000 people getting saved in the next 10 years in our little family of churches. 30 to 50,000. People, children, youth, nations. People bowing the knee and finding Jesus from their life of sin. I think that would be a wonderful thing we did nothing else, I think that would be a wonderful thing. I'm believing, therefore, we need to see about 500 to 1,000 churches being adopted, sites, new, new churches being planted. We're going to celebrate in a minute. Walthamstow. This church has had a great history already. Hope Church and Walthamstow, and there's many more churches and sites to come out of this one. We, right across London, I, I'm believing God we can see 20 plus churches in the next 10 years started and restarted by the grace of God. But 500 to 1,000 churches across the world. I believe we should be involved in 20 different nations in the next 10 years, currently 10, 12, whatever it is. I'm believing, not that we have a person or a missionary sent there, but actually we have a growing movement of churches in each of these nations served by indigenous local people. Now let's get a little bit more risky. You might think, well, that's a little bit far out. Let's get a little bit more risky. I'm believing in the 1040 window, the area where Christianity is least represented across the world. I'm believing we will plant a number of key churches. Do you know already there are three groups of people secretly meeting in our family of churches in North Africa and the Middle East? Starting and praying, believing God, we're going to get a church started there. Their life is at risk every day, but they're believing God. They're going there. They're moving there to reach people with the gospel. We're part of, we, ha- we have with us 100 churches in India, an area which is increasingly difficult for the gospel, increasingly persecuted. And uh, 
in one of the worst areas, worst persecuted areas of, of, of India at the moment. The least reached parts of India. It's got the most unreached people in the world live in India. And in the hardest area in India, we've got 50 house churches saying, can you come and help us? Just literally in the last week, please can you come and help us? We're believing for a great harvest in India. We're believing for a great harvest across the world. We are working with NGOs to help the poorest of the poor because India also has very much one of the highest poverty rates in the world. And already we've done a few pilot projects in a, in a part of India. I'll, I'll keep it quiet because of, of, of the risk of persecution. But we're going in and empowering Christians to change their community by giving them training and giving them something to do with their hands so they can provide for themselves but actually transform their communities. We've got projects called uh, Farming. It was Farming God's Way. It's now Foundations for Farming where we're helping agricultural projects right across, again, parts of India, helping people to be able to feed themselves. We're one tiny little ship in God's big armada of churches across the world, but we're making a difference. We're making a difference to some of the poorest of the poor, to some of the most unreached people that we, you and I probably will never get the privilege of going and meeting. We are making a difference, and we want to do so much more. So much more together. But in case you think this is all about numbers and that's all I'm interested in, also I want to talk about us, who we are as a family culturally. We know we're out of the branch of uh, New Frontiers, which is famous if you want to have a definition of it's reformed in its doctrine, so it loves the Bible. It's charismatic in terms of it welcomes the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we are grace-filled. In other words, we <laughs> marvel in worship all the time. Leaders, everybody, that somehow we've been invited to the party. We just don't know how. There's no hierarchy. There's no merit. We are just a grace movement. But I thought perhaps for us this morning, putting a little bit more flesh on the bones, I would say this, and it probably come up here. We want to be a family of believers devoted to their local church, authentic in their faith, humble in their obedience to God's word, encouraging the struggling, flourishing with their everyday life and overflowing with gospel joy to touch and change this world one life at a time. Amen? Amen, does that resonate in your hearts? And by the way, in case you think it's all about the church, let me just say I, I believe Christians in this place need to be involved in every walk of society. I am praying. I was with the a baroness recently, and she was talking about the abortion laws. I am praying for a day when the abortion laws of this country are reversed and the unborn have the rights and the freedoms of every other life in this nation. We need Christians involved in all of this. So let me finish by talking about let, the final let us. It says, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, Hebrews 11 finished, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that that only together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, 
what they look for when they climb their mountains, what they look for over the horizons, we are now enjoying what they longed for, the day they longed for. We look at those oil paintings and we see Abraham leaving his home, everything. Jesus left the glory of heaven. He left eternity and paradise and and intimacy with his Father and the Spirit and he became nothing. He left everything in order that he might come on this rescue mission to save us. When you look at the, the, the picture of Moses on the mountaintop, Jesus climbed with his disciples and his disciples said this about Jesus. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. We've seen God on the top of that mountain. It's the face of God in Christ Jesus. When I look at the painting of David and there he is with these horrendous, uh, all alone, with the, the powers of darkness and evil facing him, Jesus came to this earth and he took on sin. He took on Satan. He took on the powers of death and he defeated them once and for all, triumphing over them in the cross. He is the glorious one. He is the great attraction. He's why we gather Sunday by Sunday. Not to hear weak, pathetic preaching or struggling preaching. We gather for Him because we fix our eyes on Him. He is worthy of every life, every living creature turning its face to God and praising Him. He is worthy of every effort we can do. He's worthy of me making a fool of myself this morning that I might make much of Him. Because we want to bring him as many lost people, as many people who've who've been hurt by life into his glorious presence. We want to help as many poor people, struggling people, suffering people in our streets. We want to help them because we love Jesus and he's rescued us. We're willing to go to the ends of the earth this morning. Some of you will. We may even pay the ultimate price with our life as they did in Hebrews 11. But we would say this, he is worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. I love, I, I, I was driving out of London recently and uh, listened to Simon Brading. And he sings his, one of his songs, which is fine. I'm singing along with it. And then he finishes with a little tiny refrain. And it says this. You're the only one that really matters. You're the only one. It all goes back to you. And it just was a Holy Spirit moment. All of our disappointments, all of our hopes for Walthamstow, all of our hopes for Westminster Chapel and for salvations, it's all about Him. He's the only one that really matters. In all our best efforts, it all goes back to Him. We either build an empire for ourselves, a kingdom for ourselves, or we do something with our lives that makes much of Jesus. And He receives the glory And he receives the praise. So let me finish by very practically saying, how do we do something different this year? Well, we keep on doing what we've always done. Preaching and praying. Loving him. Worshipping him. And being empowered by his spirit to go and share this gospel. I love the way Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount finishes. And with all that incredible doctrine, Jesus goes... Uh, those who listen and do are like people who build a house on a rock. Those who listen and don't are people who build their house on the sand. I mean, it's, it's like, it's very simple, the Christian life. If God's been speaking to you this morning, you're not blessed by hearing this. You're blessed by doing this. You can criticize it. You can say it wasn't theologically deep. It was a bit emotional. 
You can do all that. That's, that's fine, but it won't help you. You won't be blessed by God. No, no, those who hear my words and put them into practice, they are the ones who build their house upon the rock. So God wants us to build our life upon his word. He wants to build this church upon his word. I love the emphasis of the doctrine we have in this church. But he also wants to tell us, brothers and sisters, he wants to build a house of prayer. A prayer for all nations. All the nations are going to gather here. All the nations are in London. We want them all to gather here. We want to say, hey, welcome. I'm going to eat your food. and We're going to enjoy hospitality. And we want you to know you're welcome in this family because this is a global family we're building. Some prayer must be the burden of our hearts. Private prayer, yes, I'm into that very much. But I'm also into gathering for public prayer. Because in those places of prayer, we're going to see the breakthrough. We're going to see the glory. We're going to see how God comes to our rescue. When we come with nothing, he comes with everything. So why don't you stand? I want to ask a question. What will God do for us this year? How much will God bless you, bless me, bless us in our togetherness this year? Close your eyes. I'm just going to pray this over you. Now to him... That's to Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, not just more than I've asked this morning, immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in Westminster Chapel and every church that loves his name and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless every heart now with an obedient step to run their race. I pray, Lord, that we would get rid of things that have entangled. I pray we'd get rid of things that were of yesteryear. And I pray this year we could run our race. And I pray for every individual to run their race. I pray for us together in chapel to run our race. I pray for us in commission to run our race because we want all the glory and more glory to go to our great Savior, Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, go to work and draw from our hearts the response you require. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how. listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.